Welcome to Breakfast First. I'm Evan Delaney. And I'm Andrea Book. On today's episode, we're joined by Empower's VP of Strategy, Sharon McCafferty, to discuss her deep dive into 2021 media trends and the lingering impact of 2020 on media moving forward. Sharon dives into three of the hottest categories in media this year, which include the expansion and realignment of video, the seemingly ubiquitous social media ecosystem, and a sonic boom in audio. She also shares her thoughts on emergent players and technologies like NFTs. We shower Sharon with a lot of praise and love at the beginning of this, and I don't even know if it was enough because she is such a smart, talented individual here at Empower. We're super lucky to have her. We're super lucky to talk to her. And I, you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. All right. We are joined now by someone we've wanted to have for a long, long, long time on this show. And you would think she would be relatively easy to get because she works here. She's hard to get. Oh, my gosh. Plan hard to get with us. The VP of strategy, Sharon McCafferty, is here to join us. Sharon, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for finally coming on. <laughs> um, so we really want to talk to you today. So we're about almost halfway through 2021. So we're trying to get sort of the understanding of the trends and the insights that we have um, on the media landscape in 2021. So give us a little bit of a background of the past couple of years, because I think that kind of leads into the conversation that we're going to have today. So like, give us some growth projections, we'll say starting in like 2019. Well, I don't know if I can give you like growth projections or numbers, but <clears throat> in the fall of 2019, we were looking at a pretty big year for 2020. The Olympics were happening. Consumer behavior was indicating more time with media. It had jumped a few minutes to about 12.09. So it's like, ooh, people are they're kind of like heading upward and, and starting to hold steady. Um, the election was going to happen, and the election had the potential. They were estimating between six and ten billion dollars. And as Trisha Wolfer, who um, <clears throat> is just one of Empower's gems, um, as Trisha Wolfer put it, if it gets to ten billion dollars in ad spend, TVs will explode. Like you, you would not be able to turn on your TV without you know an election ad, and that really could have the potential to turn people off. So. Um, so we were looking at that. Uh, Fortnite was all the rage, and they were getting ready to launch some new uh, in-game in messaging platforms for teens, and that was predicted to be pretty successful. So there were, like, a lot of things um, going on. Oh, also, my favorite category, podcasts. Podcasts were on the rise. Our and, favorite, too. Um, yeah, and Breakfast First is just obviously one of my favorites, but... Um, but that was already on the rise, and I think it was expected to get closer to about 800 billion um, or 800 million. So you know things were like trending up, and so 2020 looked to be kind of exciting. Um, and and then what happened, Sharon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of blacked out for most of the year. What what, what occurred? Um, well, there's this thing called a global pandemic, uh, and it, and it pretty much shut down the the world at different parts. And you know, almost overnight, habits changed. Consumer habits of like going to school and going in stores and shopping, as well as media habits. What's interesting is uh, time spent with media was anticipated to hold steady at like 12:09, 12:12, 12 hours and nine minutes, 12 hours and 12 minutes, and it jumped. It jumped almost an hour and a half. <clears throat> I mean. Just that's like unheard of too, right? Yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't expected. Um, so people, people just uh, 
had more time at home, so they were consuming more media. Uh, you know, weekend activities and events were all canceled. People were streaming really great content, so that was a big part of it. So, um, so yeah, so things changed pretty drastically overnight. And, you know, I know we're talking about this in terms of media, and I know this is this might be a little cheesy, but, like, it is a global pandemic. There were, like, a lot of, a lot of terrible things happened, and, like, we just, you know, the the heart, the high emotion person in me says, like, you know, we see those people and we feel those people, and like, and we're sorry for those uh, for those losses that occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so when we talk about the media, we don't mean to not acknowledge that, but yeah. just kind of recognize we recognize that happened, and it's so unfortunate, such an unfortunate time in history. Um, but today we are going to focus on the media and you know, kind of keep it. I don't know, I guess a little bit lighter in that regard. Yeah, well, I think to I think a lot of the media that came out too was sort of around some of those topics or it was around the pandemic, it was around racial justice. Um so a lot of the things that kind of started and sprouted last year played into maybe not the hours of media consumption, but it definitely played into what people were consuming at the time. Yeah, there were so many events happening. And, you know, when when all this news is happening, of course, you're going to, you know, go to media to get information. This year has been a relatively quiet year in terms of news. And ideally, it stays that way. Kind of a relief. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so um, so that is, you know, one place uh, people just instantly turned. Um, all that said, if you would have told me last March, as we were sitting in front of the TV watching Tiger King, that that this is this is where I would be about a year and a few months from now, I just you never could have imagined that things would change the way they had. So, I'm glad all of that is behind me, including the memory of Tiger King. <laughs> Do you think there's like one sort of watershed media moment of 2020, or is it kind of just a a pack of them? Or there's a none in particular. No, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think if if I had, here's what I'll say. I hate to play favorites, right? Because if I want to say there was a watershed moment, I might the bias might go towards like my preferred medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually say maybe uh, th- three three moments stick out in my mind. Um, one is the role of video and whether that video is something you watch on your phone or watch on your wall. Um, it really kind of got a place in consumers' households. Um, so I think that is worth noting. Social, the role of social uh, in keeping people company as well as uh, supporting movements and uh, being a piece of identity for people as well as news uh, can't be ignored. And then finally, I will I will show my preference for podcast. Podcast, they just kept going. There is no one more resilient than a podcast, or than audio, I should say, but podcasts in particular. So Evan and I are phoenixes, just rising yep. from the ashes. <laughs> the world is waiting for you too. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so let's let's kind of dig into these sort of three key points and pillars here, and kind of talk about how they're impacting. 2021 media trends and consumption. Um, so let's kind of start in the video realm. So what are the sort of the things that you're noticing within video and, and why is it so valuable to the consumer? So in 2020, um, average time spent was already going up. Um, and then, in, you know, uh, things, time spent was already going up and then it really vaulted into this new place. I forget what the number is, like 2020 is like 13, 37, 13 hours, 37 minutes roughly. 
that crest, if you will, of time spent with media is going to recede in the coming years. But still, they made a, that is like a huge leap. That's what, 8% um, just in one year um, as a result of all this. As part of that, the chasm from digital video and traditional video continues to widen. And that, you know, largely due to the number of the, the, not the number of, the type of content that was available on streaming that really drove a lot of that, um, the differences there, and there's so much good content. At the same time, traditional media is not going away. It will continue to innovate along, along this journey, and there's still the lion's share, so it's kind of important to keep in mind. So across like traditional linear streaming, what pieces of video have made the biggest strides in your opinion? You know what, I'm actually, I'm going to maybe go against, I think what traditional media is doing, you know, is is uh, they're innovating and keeping up. And when I say traditional, and maybe I'm going to speak specifically to the Olympics. So the Olympics is actually not just traditional anymore, right? You can It's available on all channels. You can have a, be part of a digital buy for a very small brand and have a role in the Olympics platform, if you will. But they're doing all these amazing things. This year, for the first time ever, you can actually uh, have your ad measured by NBC. And they have all the criteria. They know what works and what performs. They can help you understand if your ad will be successful, kind of a pre-market testing, if you will. That is a huge added value to advertisers. And I'm sure agencies are not super satisfied with that um, because, you know, it, it could kill a great idea, for example. But I just like this idea that of adding value and adding innovation um, uh, to, to, the, to the whole package. Does, I, does yeah, that answer your question? I think it definitely does. And we actually just had a conversation yesterday with um, – the SVP of marketing at NBCU. And like he really talked about sort of the integration between what you see on a linear TV to what they offer online. And it's like, it's all coming together. So I think it's sort of traditional might still be the main source, but it's kind of buoyed up a little bit by all the other platforms and services that are tangential to it. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because, you know, in the case of the Olympics, they're almost reaching the traditional person or they're reaching people through that traditional means. But then it branches out into all these other amazing touch points that really seemingly would heighten your experience of viewing or engaging with the Olympics. Yeah, it's like a remora and a shark, maybe. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah, yeah. I also have Jimmy Buffett's fins on my mind. So that's why that, <laughs> that's why that came to Yeah, he's wearing a pineapple print he, um, shirt and it's going to his head. I guess I, I would say like maybe that's the biggest saving grace for linear is is like why it re- not necessarily like why it requires the other things, but it's it stays afloat because of the other. Well, you know, because more people still watch it, like it still has this great reach. And so we can't discount that. Like, I think, you know, I think it's easy to look at the shiny new toy of digital and all these cool, exciting content ideas. And oh, my gosh, is it Ted Lasso is coming? You know, season two is coming out, all that um, it's easy to overlook traditional, but um, but we sh- we shouldn't. That's you know. Well, there's also kind of a convergence between traditional and streaming because you have YouTube TV now, you have Hulu Live TV. So like, you're still getting you're getting the best of both worlds. I don't like I don't know anyone besides my dad who has like actual cable, and then but like I have Hulu Live TV, so it's easier for me to still stay connected to the live linear quote unquote stuff. But I can still do, oh, I want to watch, like, Mission Impossible on Demand. So I can. So 
Um, can I ask, like, how many services do you, so do you, neither of you have cable, like, how many services do you subscribe to? That I actually pay for or that I share passwords? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys are looking at each other. Do you guys share passwords? We share Spotify. We do. <laughs> and his mom's on my Spotify, too. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, I love it. <laughs> um, I, so I have the ones that I actually pay for individually, Hulu and... I mean, I pay you for your Spotify. Right. But that might like, what be are it. you tapped into, realistically? Realistically, tapped into Hulu. I'm tapped into Netflix. I'm tapped into HBO Max. Tapped into Amazon Video slash Prime, whatever you want to call it. Um, I have Disney Plus. Disney and Plus. YouTube I got TV. that. Yeah. What about Apple? I actually don't have Apple. No, I did from my, my mom's free trial. Okay. Is so, that when you watched Ted Lasso? Yes. Okay. So how much do you pay for all that? Because oh, really, like, now if you get an ad-free Hulu or a YouTube TV account, it ends up being just as much as, like, your traditional cable mm-hmm. services. So it's not even, like, from a price-saving standpoint. It's just to Evan's point of the on-demand features are so much more robust than, yeah. like, Yeah, and that echoes what we see with consumers. It's all about the content, whether it's, you know, um, expanding the content that you currently have and enjoy. So tapping into your mom's Apple TV to get Ted Lasso, but holding on to your Hulu Live. Or I don't, no one mentioned Peacock, but like watching shows you used to watch. Um, So it is all about the content or, you know, I know for our household, we signed up for Hulu back whenever just to get The Handmaid's Tale. You know, it was just to get that one show that we heard so much about, and we have kind of stuck with it ever since. So Yeah, I think that's sort of how they draw you in. It's like, here is our premium content, and then we hope you like the rest. It's hard, though. There's so much good content. Yeah. In terms of saving graces for linear, I would say it's sports. Because right now, the only reason, like, we have in our household YouTube TV or we used to have Hulu is because my husband is watching sports. Otherwise, like, I am not an avid professional sports viewer. If I wanted to see a game, I could go to a bar and capture that. But let's say, you know, ESPN, you know, decides that it is able to take over all of that viewership and create their own platform exclusively. I feel like linear TV is, like, kiboshed. I I respectfully disagree. <laughs> I don't. I don't disagree. I I agree that sports has you know uh, linear TV has this nice hold on sports. Although you know if the Olympics are any indication that could kind of you know flux or flex a little bit. I do think um, I do think the content, you know, a high tide lifts all boats, right? Like I do think the content is making the networks develop more and more um, interesting television. Um, so. So, yes, I want it. Maybe it's not disagree. It's yes and. Big TV is paying Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I think is also, uh, so one thing I often say, I realize this, I say, this is really interesting to me because sometimes I'm just learning it at the same time everyone else is, you know, like, or like a little factoid. So if I say that 17 times in the next hour, I apologize. But what I think is interesting is we are seeing like this love of video and getting comfort with video, comfortable with video 
move all the way down to uh, kind of display ads versus online video, for example. So online video ads perform a little better, at least with a lot of our clients, than just a static display ad. And I think there is something consumers are so comfortable and want to kind of be entertained or get some information. And so they're willing to give a few seconds or more or 30 and um, start to engage with a video. So and then, you know, TikTok and all that has obviously influenced it. But I think it's interesting how that kind of filters down if you imagine like some sort of Niagara Falls of you know full of just video and people enjoying it all the way down at the bottom yeah well you mentioned TikTok I think that's a good segue to your next point which is sort of the comfort provided by social and you know this need for consideration and news and like social is there kind of when you need it the most it feels like um, so obviously COVID also increased the social usage for a lot of people what platform sort of saw the biggest jumps? So in terms of percentage, TikTok did. However, it is worth noting that in 2019, we do this report every year on like kind of what the year, the year in media ahead looks like. In 2019, TikTok was literally an asterisk and other on some of the media prediction charts. Which now sounds just asinine. Right? right? And so so they saw the largest percent increase, but they were coming from a pretty low base. Mm-hmm. That said, it was really like this positive, uplifting, silly, time-wasting, you know, kids were all shut out of schools, so immediately they started downloading it. Um, so it did see this, you know, it's pretty awesome rise. And then you have people like Dogface using it and drinking his ocean spray and like getting everyone like into these feel-good moments. Yeah. I thinking about watershed media moments, that the ocean spray video might have been the one that sort of, you know, proliferated peripher I can't say the word proliferated. Proliferated <laughs> the most into like people who aren't on TikTok. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, you know what Ocean Spray did they're so smart, right? They just developed all that awesome content by bringing him Ocean Spray in a truck so he could get to work and I mean his that He's a pretty adept skateboarder to be able to film himself and be on the city street and be drinking the ocean spray. Um, but having a truck to kind of keep him safe is just they, – they did such a nice job in keeping that idea alive and present with people. Yeah, I definitely think that was like the – at least the first notable brand partnership that I've seen on that platform. And then ever since then, especially now that I'm on the platform yeah. – um, the brand partnerships are every other ad. Oh, you know what? So I only go on TikTok like once in a while just to make sure I see what my kids are seeing. Um, <clears throat> I will say I know that there's like now they say food influencers are really flocking to TikTok to get noticed. Yeah, there is there's a strong entertainment value of like real digestible, you know, bites, bits of information. Um, so. so what else from the social landscape did we kind of notice last year and how is that impacting um, sort of media in this post-pandemic or almost we're, we're close to getting there um, world? Well, one, one uh, I don't know if it's a behavior, recall last summer and, you know, unfortunately, or like today we're on the anniversary of George Floyd, um, which is, you know, a sobering thing to think about and, you know, the role that social played uh, in not only communicating that news but sharing, you know, that tragic um, that tragic loss. So social had a, had a key role in, I would say, news dissemination, if you will. Um, and, and then it sparked activism, right? There was like the big blackout by, you know, by consumers and getting off of social for a day. 
interestingly, that didn't impact the bottom line for those brands. Um, but seemingly they took notice. And what I think is really important is that advertisers took notice. So there weren't many advertisers on the platforms those days, you know. Um, so I think that's interesting is to, to kind of have uh, uh, a place to get information, but then also kind of share how you feel. Like that's a really seemingly like a, you know, especially a time when we're all isolated, seemingly a pretty valuable um, uh, mechanism to have literally in your in your fingertips. Um, so kind of the last bit on the social piece. So it's obviously a viable location for both consumers and advertisers, but like what are some of the, the key features of it that are sort of drawing people in from an advertising standpoint? So it works. <laughs> there's no doubt. It's a that, simple answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's no doubt that like, you know, uh, social media is one of the most effective channels, uh, especially when you consider like the uh, consider, especially when you consider the consideration phase of the purchase funnel. It really is a strong influence for consumers and therefore brands want to be there. The pricing is really good. It's when the pandemic hit, prices dropped a little bit, but then they rose. Um, or they at least kind of stabilized. And it all worked out because so many people were using it. It was actually a valuable place to go. And, you know, people are just there. They're there for the news. They're there for the entertainment and still there for, like, birthdays and things like that. So so pivoting now to audio, which is, I think, our favorite. I mean, it's part of our profession, so I think it's going to be our favorite <laughs> one. Um, so what? let's start with podcasts in particular because there was kind of a roller coaster of what happened to podcasts in 2020. Can you kind of recap that for us? Yeah, so immediately when the world shut down, commute stopped happening. Everyone had to work from home. So that, like, I think it was like four to six weeks of podcast listenership just plummeted. And then just as quickly as it plummeted because, you know, people weren't on their commutes and listening to their favorite podcast on the train or in their car or favorite digital audio, I should say, um, just as quickly as that happened, it actually started to rise. And people realized that digital audio was a way to kind of have company when they were working from home. Uh, we heard stories of you know families gathering around for quality content or listening to mixes or uh, Lauren Nix uh, made the observation uh, at some point during the summer last year of how the car felt like a real protective space, right? Because you were still in your own kind of unit with your family, but you could kind of move and drive around and listen to digital audio as you went, which is an interesting idea. So um, so it did rebound uh, quite quickly. And how did brands react to this? They jumped in. Um, they just loved it. To the point. To the point. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, similar to streaming, there was a lot of great content that was developed. Uh, so the New York Times had just purchased Serial, and they launched a podcast about public schools, which was called Nice White Parents, which really kind of informed people about how school systems work, which probably, if you have school-age kids, or especially public school kids, was a good lesson to learn going into the fall, right, just to understand a little bit of behind the scenes. Um Camille Ninjani and his wife launched a podcast about staying in and how to stay entertained. There's home cooking. There was Code Switch had some special platforms. So a lot of great content was um, launched and uh, advertisers showed up. In fact, there is a much-loved food category mm. in the world that is a billion dollars. Digital audio 
also reached a billion dollars. But I want to give you guys that frame of reference. What food could possibly be as popular as the digital audio category? So it's one particular food? Um, more or less, or one, it... one particular type of food. It's global, so that should be a, that should be a clue. Hmm. We're not talking burgers. Is, is pizza global? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm going to go like noodles. Hmm. Good guess, but no. I'm going to say, man, this is tough. I'm going to say tacos. No. I mean, I'm actually, so I'll give you two clues. One, it's kind of a boring category. Mm. Soup? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'd love it if Global Soup was a billion dollars. Bread? No. Oh, um, God. Hummus. Really? <laughs> oh, I forgot to give you my second clue was going to be Middle Eastern. Uh, I had but, I had a, a falafel hummus wrap today, so I should have known. Um, so uh, earlier we thought that um, the podcast category would be about seven to 800000 It ended up breaking a billion dollars, which is as large as the global hummus category. Sorry, and I keep saying podcasting. I mean digital audio. <laughs> That's where I really show my bias for how I use that category. So. Yeah. Well, let's then let's talk a little bit about outside of podcasts. So, like, what is specifically happening in the rest of the audio realm? So, thinking like Pandora, Spotify, et cetera. Um, well, one thing you know, I mentioned this about the streaming. They're they're all developing their content, right? I think Spotify has like Kim Kardashian. Of course, they have. Joe Rogan, they have Ava DuVernay, who's, you know, like a film director, which I think that's kind of interesting to like have someone who's more noticed or recognized for the ability to tell stories visually and audibly um, and now taking it to one specific medium. So getting this exclusive content, um, I think we'll just kind of continue to drive it. So we talked a little bit about so now we're kind of venturing into this other category, which is where TikTok used to be. I know, right? So I'm so excited. Is there anything that's sort of like lingering in that asterisk other category right now that you kind of think is like making its way towards the mainstream? Not something that like we need to be like, this is the next big TikTok, because who knows how much longer TikTok's going to last. Um, but like what's sort of on the horizon well, um, a couple things are on the horizon, but, you know, similar to TikTok. Um, also, am I sounding like I think I know it all? Because that's not the intent. I've just been reading a lot about this stuff. No. <laughs> but but we do want you to Thank, know it all. Thank you for being so humble about being smart. <laughs> right. Like, no. Look, I understand that I get a lot of stuff and, like, I'm good at my job. but <laughs> No, I just, uh, you know... You freaking dumb dumbs. <laughs> no, who likes to who likes to hang out with the know it all? No one, right? And so I'm not I don't want to say it like that, but I am saying like, oh my gosh, you guys have read all these great stories and I'm really excited to share them. So thank here's, you. For here's here's how I, I see it that over the past however long you've been in your career, you've been just a sponge of information. You're just soaking it all in. Yeah. We're squeezing it out of you. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Squeeze, squeeze away. This is our fault. We're sponging what you're spelling. Right. <laughs> okay. I love it. Thank you. You guys are so, um, so gracious to, to do that. So, um, uh, so yes, TikTok was an asterisk, asterisk in 2019. Um, also another I don't know if it's a medium or another tool that really saw a rise um, with consumers is the QR code. 
you know, remember like years ago, you could like look at an ad and QR code and get the brochure. And that was like really before the content development was as advanced. And so QR codes kind of, I don't know if they withered away, they just kind of slipped away, not being very useful or fun for consumers. And suddenly, as people wanted to touch less, QR codes rose into popularity and, you know, coffee shops have them. We have it here to kind of help you check in and doctor's offices use them. So I think that's another example of like it didn't quite have a use with consumers, but once it finds a spot, it can own like a really sweet spot. And I don't think TikTok is necessarily going away. It kind of owns this nice, sweet spot with people right now. But the sincerest form of flattery is imitation. Is that right? Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. You know, Dub Smash was bought by Reddit, and they're going after it. The short-form video content. YouTube has it. Um, who else has Instagram Reels. Is Instagram Reels. Um, someone else has it in their um, – oh, Snapchat is, has it. And they're, they're actually paying creators. They're offering these, like, grants to creators for their content. Um, just to kind of beef it up. So streaming – beefing up the content. Podcast, beefing up the content. Short form video, beefing up the content. You start to see a pattern. It's interesting. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Like who's going to go where? Will it? Will people have capacity for more and more like they do with streaming services or will it divide and conquer? Will younger yeah. people go to one app and older people to another? Or Well, yeah, just thinking of you know the amount of time that people are consuming media, there's only you reach a certain threshold where you're like, okay, now this is either too much or it's unhealthy, and there's too many options to pick from. Yeah. I'm at a buffet of media right now. I can't eat all of it. Yeah, I'm going to pick and choose what I like. So would you end up going into Clubhouse or something just to talk about? I mean, you know, and then you throw in things like that, right? Right. right. Um, I, I did Clubhouse for like a week, and I was like, I don't. this isn't for me. Yeah, they had like a 90% drop-off rate, right? Yeah. I compared it to Reddit. Okay. You know, it's a little bit – it's not quite brand safe yet, but – yeah. I My thing with Clubhouse is, like, you have to be there to listen in to the session. And, like, it's sort of the opposite of the on-demand yeah. thing that you're you're really going for. Whereas Reddit, like, yes, sometimes conversations are happening in relative real time. But there's also just loads of information that you can just deep dive into on a variety of topics. So I think it covers a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah I think they're just banking on the exclusivity of mm-hmm. it all, of yeah. like you get to be in the room with those conversations, like make yourself available. Um, I I somehow some somehow I got an invite. It must have been something. Someone <laughs> someone sent it to the wrong email. I do think it's interesting to see how like people respond to it because you can kind of have these chats and discussions. I thought like from our social listening kind of perspective, that seems like a valuable site or valuable use of it. But um, so those are just some things happening in social. Um, can we talk about NFTs? Let's talk about NFTs. First of all, dude, how do you pronounce that second word? So it's not fungible. Non fungible. I mean, isn't that the worst name? Like fungible? It sounds yeah. like a I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think definitely. I mean, that's why they shortened it to NFT. But I think you're already like there's a, a barrier to overcome with just the name and then like all the technology behind it. I'm still wrapping my head around it. I get it, but I don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I, I guess I'm in the same camp. So non-fungible tokens. Do you think tokens is designed to make it feel accessible? Because <laughs> it just reminds me of like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, right? Or Mario, yeah. 
Um, so NFTs, there was that news yesterday. We're recording on, what is it, May 25th. And um, what was, there's a big NFT that was purchased yesterday of a British boy telling his sibling. Ouch, Charlie. Yeah, yep. so. Charlie bit Charlie my bit finger. $800,000. Yes. But here's what I don't understand. And this is probably going to sound like old curmudgeons talking about this. <laughs> but like, I can go watch that video on YouTube. But not anymore. They're going to take it off. Oh, okay. See, that's the change then. So you have like primary ownership of Charlie bit my finger. Interesting. I think, you know, who I get excited about it for is like sports collectors. Yeah, because yeah. NBA Top Shot, which is like basically virtual video basketball cards. Yeah, like getting LeBron's, you know, this game winning shot and stuff. That starts to feel really cool. Yeah. I still like, I that's that's a shot though that I can go watch on Instagram on Bleacher Report whenever I want. And like well, owning it. I, I just I mean, don't understand I, don't understand it. I think the best way to explain <laughs> NFTs just from my overview of it is just as you said, like a basketball card. Yeah. Of like ba- basketball, baseball cards. They have value to some people, but to, right. but to others it's a right. like That's a three thing. by two piece of paper. Yeah, I understand that it has value. It just doesn't have value to me. So I I get the power of it and like why people want to buy it and like the dollar power behind all of it i'm just not going to spend my money on it well because you're just not in that tax bracket (laughs) no correct (laughs) correct do you think um something about the way you said that um andrea made me think of remember the famous uh uh art auction when the banksy print was sold and then it shredded in the frame that was like almost like a precursor to nfts right like you know that person who bought that artwork I guess maybe they have the shreds, but they also have the video of their million-dollar purchase or whatever it was being shredded. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But then there's people like Domino selling like a bite of pizza for ten cents. Yeah, I just I I like it from uh, Laura Nix is really great with the comm strategy, and one of them is like a fame up. Sometimes you can do things to get attention. Um, in in some ways, you know, it's probably hard to look at your KPIs against it, but Having your own NFT for your brand is certainly a way to get yourself into the cultural conversation, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. I didn't collect baseball cards, but I used to collect ads, and I meant to bring some today. But I used to put them up in my, you know, room, and it's some old Nike ads and whatever, and um, so it's kind of a version of that. I'm not, I'm not by any means discounting the power of them. I'm just saying, not for me. As you said, curmudgeon. <laughs> um I feel like, and so we were saying that like last year, TikTok had an asterisk on it. And I wrote off TikTok because I also had the knowledge of Vine and how it was super fun for a long time. And then it just died off in the wind and I never, never thought about it again. I had the same thing with NFT of like, I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind. I'll keep it as a cocktail party trick, but I'm not going to put a lot of effort towards it. And now Evan and I were just talking yesterday on how we were reading articles about like, what is it, ether dollars or? Yeah, because we were brainstorming on how we can sort of make it a thing for one of our clients. And like, I I think it can maybe fit the profile and it's sort of that fame up idea. It's just a matter of like, man, this is a lot to figure out from the technology side before we even get into that. But isn't it great that like, kind? I just love what you said, Andrea, like, we, we were ready to write things off, but then it's like, wait, I see it kind of like trickling down and people accepting it. So once you see that consumers have a use for it, whether they're 
being entertained by it or getting information from it. Once, they, once it has that little spot in their lives, then you kind of want to like, hey, let me help you. Let me surround you with some messaging. Yeah. And I'm like, now I have to think in two different currencies of like when we do reporting, what does cost per click look like? What currency is that in? Yeah. Yeah. We need an exchange rate here for media dollars. <laughs> um, okay. So NFTs seems like it could be the next thing, could not, but it's definitely something to, to look at you and know what, consider. I, I, it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think it might. Will it have the staying power? Will brands all flock to it? Um, all that I think is unknown. I think I'm I'm just so cautious. You know, I'm a little bit of a uh, information hoarder. I'm I'm, I'm not You're a sponge. Ready. Yeah, I'm not ready to throw away the information on the yeah. NFTs. Yet. Well, I think it all goes back to the the conversation we had about sort of the fragmentation of people are consuming media from where they want. These types of things are very particular to the audiences as well. Like it's it's no longer a like one stroke solves all of it type of deal. Yeah, like you kind of have to have different things to get to different people. Yeah. Hey, I'm diving head first. I put all of my 401k into Dogecoin. I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, Andrew, your retirement's gone. <laughs> e- Elon Musk had a bad SNL performance. <laughs> Um, okay, so you mentioned that you had some questions that you wanted to ask us beforehand. We have no idea what these are or any of that. So, yeah. So, um, so thanks again for asking me about some of these media things because I feel like I just kind of dipped my toe in enough to maybe answer like trivia questions, but not necessarily be as smart as like Amy Johnson or Jason Kogut, um, who head up integrated planning here. Um, <clears throat> but tell me, like, you know, you you. Uh, you both are so good at like, hey, we might do some sort of NFT idea. Like, how how do you use this information? Like, what what are you looking for when you're studying media or study, you know, trying to concept new ideas for clients? Like, what what's helpful to you? How does this work, and what else are you looking for? Yeah, I think the the easiest way is to be like, okay, how can whatever I'm working on client wise, like, how can it fit in this conversation? And I think one lesson that Andrew and I both like really think back to when we were back at South by Southwest a couple of years ago, it was none of the conferences or anything because I think those are like they tell you information you already know. What and, is a brand? And he's like, you're like, oh, I already know this. I feel pretty good about myself. But we actually saw a um, like a comedy, a live comedy podcast with Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show. And he's basically saying all these other late night shows approach the same topic with sort of the same joke. It's always apples and oranges like approach. What's the pineapple? What's the broccoli to this? So like I'm trying to think of what is the pineapple and broccoli that we can throw to this thing that everyone else is already doing and what makes it different and unique. So I think like as creatives, that's sort of always the challenge that we face is like, okay, we know we have this information. How can we either A, glean this one sort of human truth of it and blow it out or how can we flip it on its head and like really, really make an impact? That's my answer. <laughs> That's a really great answer. I love, um, I'm actually taking notes on you. I, I love this idea of like, <clears throat> I love the frame of reference of the comedy shows. Yeah, you can, the late night comedy shows. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I, God, thanks for nothing, Evan. You pretty much wrapped up everything. Basically, it's just like, 
you want your brands to be like you as you said you got on tiktok to see what your kids are doing that's what we want to do for our brands like we want to stay relevant in that conversation and find a place where it makes sense for our brands to be partaking in oh my gosh andrea i love it not long-winded like evan my god i love it that's great I'm just milking the audio platform. Get off your soapbox. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, How deep, like what, well, what are things that are keeping you up at night about media? I mean, for Andrea, she stays up late watching TikTok. So, I mean, literally it keeps her up at night. Um, That's good. Consuming it. That's great. Okay. What keeps me up at night is, so... Evan is a copywriter and I'm a graphic designer and we both work primarily in digital media. And what's crazy is when I explain to my parents what I do at work, like they grew up not having social media. So my job and what I do today did not exist, you know, 20 years ago, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Is it going to exist 20, 30 years from now? Like, what does that reliability of my job look like in terms of how media changes? I have to imagine it will, right? Mostly because you both excel at ideas. Ideas, there's always a marketplace for ideas. I think, yeah, that's sort of the currency. Like, no matter what is out there, like, ideas are always going to be something that drive the conversation and drive things forward because if we don't have those then what's the point you know um i don't know if i try to get a good night's sleep every night so i try not to think too much about this stuff evan has a warm glass of milk and then that's it <laughs> right couple dave matthews songs yeah oh my god i i just think we talked a lot about video in general i like sort of grew up on enjoying long form written content um which is obviously like not the way to approach things. So I just think the I'm fascinated by the brevity of it all. And I'm fascinated about how to keep things short, simple, sweet, and usually video. At the same time, Evan, one thing we didn't talk about, and I'm, I'm dying to figure out Substack. Oh, so yeah. Maybe yeah. we can make that because that's where long form content, you know, right. I know print, some people say print is dead, but journalism is not. And Substack yeah. is here for it. So, yeah. Well, I even think journalism, I, most of the time, the journalism, quote unquote, that like, I think at least I consume, and I think a lot of people consume are just headlines or tweets from like journalists. I mean, I think that's where you mentioned the news consumption being like, that's what people turn to social media for. I think a lot of it, like, that's where, print quote-unquote sort of lives yeah. print in the sense of journalism yeah and to be clear i didn't mean to say print is dead but people will say that right right i, I think there's a place for it it's just maybe has lost the reach it had mm-hmm. it just goes back to the the buffet thing yeah some people do it some people don't but people have been saying print is dead for god how many years now i know and there's the new yorker showing up every week mm-hmm. yeah Exactly. I was going to say, Evan, in regards to you liking like long form media while you're, you know, generally talking about writing, like that's where podcasts live. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And I think it's it is easier to exist in podcast form because you can sort of multitask with a podcast. You can be driving, you can be working out, you can be doing the dishes. Whereas if it's television, like you can only be sitting down to watch it. You can't 
if you're truly paying attention, if you're truly getting the impressions and the eyeballs and all of that, like you have to be paying attention to it. I know digital audio is in your ears. Like it's a very intimate medium. It's the, it's the closest thing to your brain. Yeah. Wow. So, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So I guess to you, that's a good point, Andrew. So I guess long form content, I'm cool with podcasts, but like I just miss it being other places. I'm an old soul. Eyeballs to paper. Eyeballs to paper. Or at least tablet screens. Okay. Um, so my last point um, that I wanted to share back to you is to say how awesome I think this Breakfast First oh, podcast is. No, you know, <laughs> the fact that you – the content, first of all, has just gotten better and better and better. And you guys are both – so good at it. And I think it's interesting, Andrea, that you were saying, hey, Evan's a writer and I'm a, you know, designer. But here you are, like, killing it in a podcast. Like, that's awesome. Like, what a great, what a great example of Empower not being a holding company, right? Mm-hmm. You're not put in this box where you can only do X, Y, and Z. You want to do a podcast? Here you go. And here's the forum for it. So yeah. I just, um, I just, I hope, I just think it's awesome that you guys do this. I'm I'm thoroughly engaged with almost every episode, and um, I'm just appreciative as someone who works at Empower that you guys put in all the effort you do. Sharon. We're going to make sure that gets to all the higher-ups here. (laughs) Everyone's going to (laughs) know. We're going to add it in our annual reviews. I was telling Evan that our newest KPI is that, did this episode teach Sharon something? Oh, that's (laughs) – <clears throat> that influencer episode was really spectacular. I was really, um, I really enjoyed that. And the one with Rob, I encouraged everyone to listen to it. Like, hey, we're all kind of remote still in some form. Get inside Rob's head for a little bit. So something that, you know, continues to sort of stand out to me is the fact that as we ended 2019, TikTok was still in that other realm. Um, and I think the fact that it boomed so much in the past year and it continues on this upward trajectory, um, you know, is something going to be the next TikTok? Is TikTok going to take over in terms of the social media landscape? Who knows? It's hard to tell. I mean, it was kind of an evolution of Vine, if we all remember Vine, um, which died a sad, painful death, you know, a couple of years ago. I don't, I think this has more staying power, but I'm just super interested to see how it continues to evolve and grow, um, and what other competitors in the social landscape will come. Yeah, I'm also curious to see how, you know, Facebook, Instagram react to TikTok content, Um, just seeing how other media channels, you know, grow and develop as short form entertainment continues to evolve. Yeah. And I would also just like to, it just felt warm and cuddly inside for Sharon to talk about how important podcasts are. I would just like to say that point. Um, so if you would like to hear more of our podcast, Andrea, there's a simple solution to that. What can people do? Absolutely. You can do two things. You can subscribe and rate. Well, and along with those two options, to get more content from Empower, you can follow us on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Empower and on Instagram at Empower Agency. Feel free to drop us a note on email at breakfastfirst at empowermm.com. Thanks again to Sharon for coming in and talking to us today. I hope we get her on again and soon. Um, And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you around. We love you, Sharon.